Welcome to Constable Confidential. I'm Simon Constable, joined by Ben Weinthal. He is a writer for the Jerusalem Post and other distinguished publications, including the Middle East Forum, where he's a, a writing fellow. And he's joining us now to tell us what's going on in Israel. He lives in Jerusalem, and it sounds awful. But what was your experience, Ben? Well, thanks for having me on your show, Simon. Um, well, uh, the uh, Hamas attack took place on Saturday, and I and I was here in Jerusalem as the attack unfolded, and the sirens started early in the a.m. and uh, information started to unfold right away that there was a uh, a broad-based, multi-front attack by the uh, U.S. and EU-sanctioned terrorist organization Hamas, which controls the Gaza Strip, it's an enclave in south of Israel um, that they've controlled since 2007 in a, in a bloody coup against their uh, competition, the Palestinian Authority, which is situated in, in the West Bank, not too far from where I'm at, Jerusalem, in the city of Ramallah. And um, the, the reports were similar to what I experienced during my time in New York City on September 11, 2001. And what's now in circulation, at least the, the feeling in this country, and, and you hear from many Israeli politicians, Israelis, um, journalists who equate uh, Saturday's attack with 9-11 and are now referring to it as Israel's 9-11. And I, I think that uh, neatly captures uh, the horrific um, attack on Saturday that, as of right now, has resulted in over uh, 700 uh, murders of Israelis. But the the mood on Saturday when I went into downtown Jerusalem was uh, completely, it, it was a ghost town, um, similar to what I experienced after 9-11, um, a, a few days after, not, not initially because people were running around in Manhattan, as you know, Simon, you were there too. Yeah, I, I, I was there and it, it was a ghost town very quickly, not not initially, but very quickly thereafter, yes. Correctly, correct. And, and most of the folks, including myself, were scrambling to to find folks who, who knew people in the, in the in the towers were scrambling to see if they could locate family members or friends uh, who were murdered by uh, Al-Qaeda. And that in Jerusalem, it was a ghost town, um, all, you know, which it's normally a bustling um, period on Saturday night after Shabbat ends here. The Shabbat is the weekend here in Israel, and it's downtown Jerusalem is packed, and uh, everything was closed. We found uh, one location, a colleague of mine from the Middle East Forum, we went to a location and got something to eat. And there were a few people in this in this bar restaurant, just a few people, and everything else was closed, shopped bars and restaurants that are normally um, packed full of people. Um, and the, the mood was clearly uh, uh, people were in a state of shock. Um, I would say a state of um, mixed with depression and despair and um, outrage. And there was also a sense of this, of trying to uh, process all of these uh, raw emotions at the time. and. Um, and the questions that you could see sort of, if there were bubbles next to people's heads, like in cartoons, it would be, how could this security breach happen? Um, you know, where was the army? Where, how did Israeli intelligence not know that uh, Hamas was about to launch this uh, massive strike? 
Um, and I, I think the mood right now is still very similar to the sense of, uh, uh, you know, depression, shock, acute frustration, and I would say a, a level of, of burning outrage and a feeling that uh, Hamas now needs to be uh, completely dismantled and the terrorists who control the strip need to be rooted out. But one of the things that a lot of people who aren't familiar with what goes on in Israel will quite happily point back and say, maybe not happily, but but will point back and say, look, Israel is often getting attacked with rockets and all that sort of stuff and terror acts. How different is this event than things a few years ago where a few rockets were launched? Well, in terms of death numbers, to give you a sense of, again, we're at over 700 people have been killed, Israelis, and that would be roughly 37,000 Americans uh, in, in terms of the population number of the equivalent of Americans who would be killed in a similar terrorist attack. So uh, because Israel is a small country of 9 million, um, so that's why the number would be so high in the U.S., um, and th that's the, the largest massacre of Israelis, um, you know, in, in, since the Holocaust. In, in, um, there have been wars here, but they, you know, they've stretched out over days and weeks. Um, and also, I would add, this is the first time since 1948, Israel's war of independence, where uh, Palestinian Arabs um, have uh, conquered Israeli territory in the south of Israel. Again, that hasn't, we haven't experienced that since 1948 uh, here in Israel. So um, th this is you know, a spectacular uh, level of violence that was inflicted on uh, Israeli communities in the South, some of which were, as I said, were, were conquered by uh, Hamas. Now, um, this current situation is all the territory in the South and throughout Israel has been secured and, and Hamas is not in control of any communities in the south. Um, but that, that's one aspect. And then, of course, um, the situation that um, Israel had thought by incentivizing the Palestinians via allowing um, Qatar, the Qatari regime, to send tens of millions of dollars to uh, Hamas each year, that would somehow placate the regime and disincentivize them Hamas from committing uh, these types of atrocities. Now, Israel has had many wars with Hamas over the years since it seized power in 2007. I covered as a reporter Operation Protective Edge in um, 2012. Um, ex excuse me, Operation Pillar of Defense. Uh, Operation Protective Edge was later um, in 2012. And these were many wars that went on for a week or two weeks. Um, what we're expecting right now is, is a ground invasion, and, and Israel's, been, Israel's air force has been pounding Hamas throughout the night, and this morning there were sirens here in Jerusalem this morning warning about uh, missile attacks um, heading toward Jerusalem. Um, I'm just checking the reports. I don't think there was any uh, actual hits from Hamas uh, rockets, and as a, it, when they initially attacked Israel, they fired 5,000 rockets into Israel. So this was, again, a major military operation that was aided by uh, Iran's regime, as the Wall Street Journal 
reported exclusively yesterday that the clerical regime in Tehran helped lay the foundation. What's interesting about this case, I would just add is, um, I, I had an inkling that this invasion was gonna take place um, in late August. I met with an Egal Carmone, who's the former counterterrorism advisor to Prime Ministers Yitzhak Rabin and Yitzhak Shamir. Egal Carmone is uh, the head of memory, the Middle East Media Research Institute, which translates Arabic media articles, uh, Persian media articles. It's, it's a very well-known uh, website and think tank. And he wrote an article on August 31st on the website of memory, um, possible war in September or October. Um, and he outlined that this type of war uh, could take place. It was a very prescient essay. Um, and I then reported on his essay for Iran International on, uh, in early September. And uh, sadly and tragically, uh, Idal Carmon's prediction turned out to be true. It's, but, it's, um, it's, 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 it's very sad that it turns out to be true. You, you mentioned that this inv invasion, this attack was sponsored by or promoted by Iran. Is that partly to do with the fact that the U.S. sent billions of dollars to Iran recently? Is there a connection there or is that a, a red herring? Well, I, I think the the macro picture here is the U.S., according to its critics, has um, granted um, significant concessions to Iran uh, during the Obama administration and then and now during the Biden administration. The example you just said of six billion being sent to Tehran as part of a prisoner swap um, is 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 one example um, because the Biden administration claims this money won't be used to fund terrorism, and then a Ibrahim uh, Raisi, the president of Iran, says we're going to use this, these funds wherever we want. And Iran uh, has been funding um, Hamas for years. Even uh, Secretary of State Blinken said the other day that they've they've been funding Iran. Uh, that was before the Washington, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal report came out because he said that Iran, according to the U.S. State Department, was not involved in this operation. That of course is patently false. I mean, everyone in Israel, the, from ordinary citizens to the uh, security and defense establishment, know very well Iran played a crucial role uh, in this uh, in the massacre of over 700 Israelis, and currently over 100 Israeli hostages are being held by Hamas in the Gaza Strip. And uh, you asked about the numbers. Um, over 2,000 Israelis are injured, I believe over 100 in critical condition. So we're dealing with you know, just a monumental level of carnage that this uh, tiny country has experienced. And there's other concerns too, because Iran funds uh, Hezbollah, the Lebanese-based terrorist organization in the north. And yesterday there was a, a clash between uh, Israel and Hamas, excuse me, Hezbollah in the north. So we're dealing with um, th the main problem I would argue here is the Islamic Republic of Iran is the source of all these problems, coupled with the Qatari regime that aids Hamas and has also been accused of Israel of funding the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. That is Qatar. So that's sort of the big picture. And the question now is what is the United States, uh, Israel, and, and its allies going to do to counter uh, Iran 
uh, in Hamas. And, and let, let's loop back to that. But I want to ask you one thing is that I've read a report by a former SAS, UK Special Air Service operative, very, very senior and very important in British history. And he's saying there may be a link to Russia here encouraging Hamas to do the invasion uh, in order to distract attention from what's going on in Ukraine, have you any uh, had you you heard, heard any corroboration of that? No, I, I've heard that explanations along those lines, um, and and that can't be ruled out. And I mean, the 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 information is moving right now at an astonishingly fast pace to try to unpack um, what what other actors were behind it. We definitely know Iran's regime and. Iran is, of course, allied with uh, Putin's Russia and Ukraine, and Iran's regime has supplied lethal drones to Putin's regime. So that that has explanatory power from my perspective that Putin may have greenlighted uh, this, this invasion along with Iran's regime or um, also provided military aid. Um, you know, we have a difficult relationship, or Israel, I should say, with Vladimir Putin's Russia because he controls the skies in uh, Syria where Iran and Hezbollah are based and we have to negotiate with him to strike Iranian targets and Hezbollah targets in Syria. So it's a very naughty problem for Israel's uh, military. It, it, it is. Now, one thing we, we do know is that the U.S. is sending a, I think it's a carrier group, a strike group certainly of ships down to the Eastern Med towards Israel. What else do you know about Israel's allies? I, I would presume that that includes a lot of, of Europe, uh, the West Western Europe, certainly by places like Britain. Right. Well, what I've read in terms of uh, a report about Democratic uh, Party or, or the Senate leader, uh, Chuck Schumer from New York met with the, uh, the Biden administration and its uh, defense apparatus. And he said that, that uh, the Biden administration is providing everything Israel needs, uh, ammunition, that's the key right now. Um, and there won't be any, uh, um, there haven't been any denials. So that's one report I read. Um, of course, there's always shortages in, 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 a, in a war. Um, but the main uh, items, as I said, ammunition and other military hardware um, have not been uh, um, there hasn't been any resistance from the Biden administration, but we have to see how the war proceeds. Right now, Israel has mobilized hundreds of thousands of troops, reservists and uh, troops to uh, prepare for a ground offensive into the Gaza Strip. And as the narrative changes, because people start to criticize Israel, um, the Biden administration may start to uh, get um, antsy and nervous and um, and maybe uh you know recoil from providing the type of military hardware that israel needs to completely defeat hamas because that appears to be the the objective right now a total defeat and that objective that military objective from the israeli security and, and defense establishment has changed radically since saturday it previously was the, the departure point for israel let's just manage the conflict in gaza now it's, um, we can no longer manage the conflict. Um, we need to um, obliterate uh, Hamas. And there's a lot of 
um, should I say, how can I put this, a lot of um, acknowledgement that the previous strategy was, was a major mistake over the last 10 years to continue to allow Qatar to fund Hamas and to negotiate based on economic incentives as a way to housebreak or tame uh, a jihadi terrorist organization. So we know, we know Israel's strategy now is basically take over the, that entire Gaza area and root out Hamas and get rid of that. Is Israel ready for anything coming from Lebanon, which is on the other end of Israel or, or and neighboring it? Is that is that in common speak now about what, what could happen there? Because I, I certainly know that Israel has a history with Lebanon or Lebanon has a history with Israel, depending on which way you look at it. What, uh, what do you know about that? Well, as you mentioned, the U.S. has uh, brought a naval war carrier into the, it's on its way to the Eastern Mediterranean. So that's a good sign as a way to deter Hezbollah. Um, you know, the U.S., is, I strongly suspect, won't enter the war uh, against Hamas, but certainly there's a chance that the U.S. could aid Israel in its war against uh, Hezbollah. Hezbollah, after all, has killed uh, hundreds of, uh, of U.S. military service personnel, including the, the infamous suicide bombings targeting the Marine, U.S. Marine barracks in 1983 and the U.S. Embassy. And Hezbollah has also killed American service military personnel in Iraq uh, recently or during the Iraq war and the aftermath. So um, Hezbollah in Lebanon um, is also a US designated terrorist movement. And most of the US designated at least uh, Hezbollah's military wing. Um, but that would be a serious, that, that's uh, obviously a major concern right now because there is uh, some of the communities I've been told in the North are um, adjusting to a possible uh, war in the north and within uh, Israel's, um, you know, daily conversation for months, um, there's there's been discussions about a, about how to deal with a multi-front war from the north, where Lebanon and Hez, where Hezbollah is based, the south, and then of course uh, Iran has assets and proxies in uh, Iraq and Yemen that could launch um, and Syria that could launch. Uh, missiles into uh, mainly Iraq and Syria that could launch missiles into uh, Israel. So we're dealing with um, an enormously complex uh, Herculean style military challenge. And Hezbollah is clearly um, the most formidable opponent on Israel's uh, borders because it has in the north over 150,000 missiles aimed at Israel right now. And Israel's military defense system, Patriot missile system that intercepts these rockets, as well as more advanced interception uh, um, uh, mechanisms, can't uh, intercept that many missiles. Yeah, that's 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 an enormous number of the missiles. Now, turning to an, another topic, which is is related, you have just written a, a very interesting story about an Iran-backed judge who went to visit America to ask for some very interesting 
things. Um, tell me, t tell us about that because it is fascinating and it really doesn't shed the administration, the current administration, in a good light. Yes, um, there's a, the, the Iraqi Supreme Court Justice Saeed Zidane um, is, according to many um, Iraqi experts in, in Washington, um, the man who controls Iraq. He's an unelected Supreme Court Justice who's ruled for years. And while prime ministers get voted in and out, he's remained as the, as the judge who oversees prosecutions and um, also and and controls the, the the legal apparatus in Iraq. Um, I was uh, received information from uh, people in Iraq who had met with him um, just last week. Um, was when I received the information that the Department of Justice in, invited Zidane to come to Washington and uh, meet with different officials. Um, and many folks I spoke to within the American. Uh, counterterrorism community were in an utter state of shock and disbelief because Zidane um, is right now a candidate for sanctions. Many American congressmen from the Republican Party have sent letters to uh, the State Department, which I received. They haven't been made public, uh, urging the State Department to examine Zidane's record because last year he detained and tortured an American citizen from Kentucky who went to Iraq to investigate him. And this American spent 11 weeks in prison and was tortured physically and mentally. He's a resident of uh, Kentucky, and that's the state of Senator McConnell, Mitch McConnell, the Republican House leader in the Senate. And he, was, he managed to secure this American's release. So you've got uh, a Supreme Court judge who's tortured an American according to, um, you know, reliable uh, sources. Uh, and then he's also issued Zidane uh, an arrest warrant for President Trump for killing an Iranian uh, global terrorist in 2000. That was so so Soleimani, a, a general in the IRGC. Correct, who was responsible for the deaths of over 600 American military personnel, personnel in the Middle East. Um, and, he, and Zaman, the Iraqi Supreme Court, issued a judge they issued an arrest warrant for him and also met, recently met with pre Iranian President Raisi. So this Iran, this Iraqi Supreme Court, court judge is largely considered to be Iran, Iran's man in Baghdad. And that people were, as I said, completely stunned that the U.S. Department of Justice would invite him after the U.S. provided $6 billion to Iran, a huge shot in the arm of the Iranian regime. By the way, the State Department also classifies the Iranian regime as the worst international state sponsor of terrorism. And this judge is being welcomed to the US and, and they're rolling out the red carpet for him and mainstreaming someone who's committed uh, gross human rights violations as well as wants to prosecute Americans, at least the president and probably other Americans who are involved in assassinating the Iranian general from the IRGC. Now, uh, it, it looks like the, the meeting with the Department of Justice is off because once I sent uh, press queries and I received a statement from the, the, the Department of uh, State saying, yes, this meeting is taking place with DOJ. Then we went to DOJ, Fox, Fox News. And after I think- That's the Department hours, of Justice, right? DOJ, yes. Correct. Sorry about that. 
And after I went, after we went to the DOJ, uh, after 24 hours of, of a flurry of press queries and questions, telephone calls, the DOJ said, or pulled the plug on the meeting. That's, that's our read of what happened here and said this meeting's not happening. But he still may, might be coming to Washington. And that's what I'm, uh, I'm pursuing right now as a, as a second story because Iraqi officials are saying he's on his way to Washington. I don't know who, with whom he's going to meet, well, we shall see. We shall see if he even gets there or is allowed through immigration. Thank you very much, Ben Weintal. He's a uh, writing fellow at the Middle East Forum and a contributor to the Jerusalem Post and other distinguished publications. I'm Simon Constable. This is Constable Confidential, and that's it. Thanks, Simon.